I'm Paul Levinson, and welcome to Light on Light Through, episode 289. My old friend Phil Merkel, a.k.a. Captain Phil, interviewed me a few hours ago on WUSB Radio. We talked about, well, Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter, and the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And actually, those two important topics do have at least one connecting point, which we talk about as well. So here you are with this interview. Paul, do you have a message for Destiny's The Voice of Science Fiction, which you were actually a guest on? Yeah, have me as a guest again. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great show. And listen, congratulations, Howard. Actually, though, just to show you how ignorant I am, although many people already know that, I thought it was Howard who was doing the voice in reading those dear Cthulhu uh, letters. But uh, you mentioned Patrick Thomas. Well, so. Patrick, Patrick's the writer, and, and Howard, I think, does the narration, and Patrick does the oh. voice of Cthulhu. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But I, an advice column by Cthulhu, uh, uh, you know, um, well, actually, fun. actually, Paul, do you think if Cthulhu uh, showed up, would he run for president on the Republican ticket and would he win? <laughs> I, I don't know, but he would be an improvement over what the Republicans are putting up, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yes, Howard definitely should have you back. I'm going to be passing this along to him and he will be in touch. Uh, because because Howard's, Howard's better than, than I am at following through on things. <laughs> so, oh, you're, you're okay. You're I'm okay. okay. I'm okay. Uh, so um, I threw a couple of ideas at you last night uh, when, when I talked to you about uh, coming on again. And uh, let's kick it off with your choice, though. Elon Musk and uh, his purchase, possible purchase of Twitter. Um, last time... Uh, we talked, I re seem to remember we were talking about free speech in Twitter, and you thought that Trump and and others should not have been banned, that it was not good for free speech. What do you have to say about this situation, Paul? No, you're confusing me with someone else, seriously. I, I, I was, I'm never happy about anyone being censored, but I thought that in the case of Trump, uh, because he, he was clearly guilty of inciting a riot, that, that's not a question of free speech. That's a question of conspiracy to commit a crime, which an insurrection is. And so, although I'm never happy to see any kind of censorship, I think that Twitter did the right thing banning him from the system. And that actually gets me uh, into the problem that I have with Elon Musk. And just to be clear, obviously, he, Elon Musk has done a lot of things and at least two of the things that he's done, I'm a big fan of. I'm, I'm certainly very happy about SpaceX. I, I think, you know, and you and I have talked about this, that it's extremely unfortunate, to say the least, that we, we human beings, walked on the moon in 1969. And after all these years, we still haven't gotten to Mars. We've, you know, in terms of getting human beings out into space, pretty much it's been you know, just uh, the space station. And, uh, you know, we, we were doing the equivalent of that back in the 1970s. So 
Musk deserves an enormous amount of credit for what he's done with the SpaceX program. The other thing that I really admire and respect Musk about is what he's done with Tesla. And it, obviously, the environment is a serious problem. Uh, it's going from bad to worse in, in, in terms of the, the rise of temperatures around the world. And Tesla is not single-handedly, but they're really beginning to make a dent in the, uh, these gases that are emitted by traditional gasoline-guzzling uh, cars. And, you know, I, I probably mentioned this, I drive a Prius, so I'm at least halfway there. I have a hybrid. Uh, I would have bought a Tesla if I could have afforded it. And uh, one of these years, I'm sure, I'll be able to afford some kind of electric vehicle. So good for Musk for doing that with automobiles. But I'm not happy with what he's saying he wants to do with Twitter. He gives lip service for you know, to say, saying, well, he's not talking about illegal speech. But anyone who can at all think about bringing Trump back to Twitter, and it's not even clear what Musk's position is about that. He, you know, he's been saying that, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, if, if you want to know what his uh, views are uh, about bringing Trump back to Twitter, you know, he gives ridiculous examples like, oh, I'm going to buy Coca-Cola and put the cocaine back into Coca-Cola. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it was funny. And uh, that seems to be saying that Trump is cocaine, you know, uh, and therefore he's not going to bring Trump back to Twitter. But the very fact that he can even be thinking about it, th that bothers me. And actually, I just finished writing an article uh, for a Polish journal that I'm actually guest editing, and they asked me to write an article about the future of social media. And uh, when I started writing the article, Elon Musk was not in the article. But since I just finished writing it, I, I finished with Elon Musk. And one of the things that I found in my research, I sort of vaguely knew this, are the dangerous statements that Musk has made about COVID-19. For example, he said at one point that children are essentially immune uh, from the virus. Totally <laughs> not true. Especially, uh, especially lately, I mean, I, I, I believe it was Fauci who said that the numbers of children infected was greatly underreported. Yeah, that's right. And look, uh, I, I know children who've gotten it. It's just, you know, they're not immune to it. Maybe they're a little less likely to be adversely affected um, than adults, but they're not immune to it. And, and believe it or not, uh, uh, Musk also bought into Trump's nonsense about the, the pandemic being over uh, by Easter. That is Easter 2020. This, this is one of uh, Trump's you know, gems. He said this like in early March. And it'll be over in a month or two. In addition to that, Musk in, endorsed, I can't remember the name of it, chloro something, one of these bogus cures for... Was it hydrochloroquine? Is that, is yeah, hydrochloroquine, yeah. right. That's right. And, um, you know, so if this is Musk's idea of free speech... I'm sorry, again, uh, free speech does not protect speech that if people follow what the speech is saying, they'll die. 
So, you know, if, if somebody thinks they're going to be safe by taking a bogus cure, that, you know, t Twitter is right to exclude that uh, from its site. And uh, if, if a parent reads on Twitter, hey, you know, your kids are essentially immune, God forbid what could happen to those kids. Yeah. So I'm concerned about, about Musk uh, taking over Twitter. You know, I'm not leaving Twitter. I, I don't think he's the devil. Musk is the devil incarnate. But look, you know, this says something, and I think people around the world sometimes have a hard time realizing this. The, the United States is not just a capitalist country in theory. It's a capitalist country in practice. And there's nothing particularly wrong with capitalism. I mean, it does a lot of good things. You know, it may not be the best system in the world. But one thing that I don't like about capitalism is you can have a, an online system as crucial to the United States and the world as Twitter has become. And basically, someone who controlled the most money uh, at the stockholders, in this case, whatever it is, $45, $50 billion, that person can buy and therefore totally control the system. Uh, I don't like that. Again, I don't want to bring the government in to make regulations as to who can buy and not buy something because that kind of power all too easily can become dictatorial and totalitarian. But at the same time, I don't think it's a healthy thing for billionaires to be able to throw money around like that and, and buy a system like Twitter and then do with it as they please. I find it interesting, you know, once this this idea of, of uh, Musk buying Twitter came out, that was the first thing people went to was removal of the Trump ban. And as you were talking, Paul, I'm saying I'm thinking to myself, what does Elon Musk need for for Trump? Elon Musk could could buy Trump with his lunch money. <laughs> you know, is there yeah. any is there any benefit to to Musk to be helping Trump. I mean, is there anything Trump can do for him? I would think it would be totally the other way around. It seems he is so powerful and so um, immune from everything, yeah, immune from any controls um, that he wouldn't need to kowtow to Trump. <laughs> so, no, Yeah, no, I agree with you. Look, I, I think I'll say this on Musk's behalf. You, you've heard me say that I'm an absolutist regarding the First Amendment. But, but that's only an absolutist when, it's, when, when what is being debated, whether or not this speech or print or whatever the communication is, should be allowed to go out there. If, if that communication carries with it the possibility of death for people who hear it you know, or, or read it, and, and this gets back again to this bogus information, this this lethally misleading information about COVID. So I'm not that much of an absolutist. I, I put life and death, you know, ahead of freedom uh, of speech. Uh, but, you know, I'll say this for Musk, he's consistent. I, I don't agree with the, where his consistency lands him, but I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, Musk also uh, owns and built a system called Starlink, it's, it's part of his SpaceX yes. work, right? And it's basically a telecom system. And when, when Russia invaded yes. Ukraine, Musk did a very good thing. He said, 
to Ukraine, hey, we're going to give you, we'll send in whatever you need to set this up so you can use this system. And I was very happy to hear that because I think, and we can talk about this as well, obviously, for not for an hour, for like days and days. I think the Russian invasion of Ukraine is like the worst thing that's happened uh, in the world since since Hitler. So agreed, I, I, absolutely agreed. And and the reports coming in, and the fact that some people don't think it's real, they think they're crisis actors. Um, exactly. It's very upsetting. And and you know, we we watch the news. My wife and I, we sit there and watch the news and. And my wife literally can't hear the stories. It upsets her so much. The stories of, of the mass graves, uh, the rapes, uh, the, the bombing of civilians. Uh, you know, it, it's so difficult to listen to. Um, and, and, and yet I've come across people who say, you know, and, and, and some of this stuff is coming out of the Russian uh, news media and it seems very Foxy, if you know what I mean, Paul. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I mean, listen, uh, Lavrov, their foreign minister, basically praised Fox. I don't know if you saw this. I actually filed a formal complaint, but the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, they never respond to that. So I don't know what they're going to do. Probably nothing. But I seriously filed a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission that Fox should be uh, called up uh on charges of false advertising because what fox news has been doing is not broadcasting the news about russia you, you have people like tucker carlson who's basically just spouting russian propaganda more more lies and uh that that's false advertising the people who tune into fox they're, they're not getting the news they're getting russian propaganda fox should really change its name to be honest and call themselves Fox Russian propaganda. Yeah. Then, then the, I just want to say though about Russia, just to complete what I was saying about Elon Musk. So he does this good thing for Ukraine, gives them Starlink. But then someone asked him, "Well, wait a second. R Russia already has access to Starlink. Are you going to block them, the Russians, from Starlink?" And Musk answers, you know, very sarcastically, "Well, pardon me for being an absolutist." on free expression but no i'm not going to block the russians or anyone you know from uh, using my system i genuinely believe in free expression and again my thought is so you would allow adolf hitler to, yeah. to use starlink i mean you know uh, and what are the russians using starlink for to basically lie to the world and their own people that you know that that Zelensky's a Nazi, and you know the, the the Russians are just going in there to liberate the Ukrainian people. They're liberating so, them from breathing. That's what they're liberating them from. You know exactly. Oh my goodness. Exactly right. Oh yeah. So, so I mean, we you know listen. You know, getting back to what you're saying about your wife, I I think any human being feels the same way. It, it is heartbreaking to watch and see what's going on there. You know. Obviously, you and I remember September 11th here in the United States, here in New York, and that was unbelievably horrible. But when you compare that to what's going on in Ukraine, September 11th, a total of two buildings were destroyed. About 3,000 people lost their lives. I mean, a lot of people were hurt. I'm in no way minimizing that terrible terrorist attack. But that basically took place. It was over in a couple of hours, and then we were able to rebuild and, uh, you know, get 
back on our feet after that incredible trauma, that, that emotional shock, and, and that physical destruction. The, these brave people in Ukraine, this has now been going on you know, since February. And uh, they, they just bomb buildings. They, they uh, you, know, uh, you know this as well as I, they, they've killed you know, children, pregnant women, uh, and I don't know, I don't care whether it's deliberate or not. They shouldn't be hurling bombs and, and you know, having soldiers open fire in, in a city. You know, they shouldn't be they shouldn't be firing on Ukrainian soldiers either. Uh, but at least that's part of what a war is. But clearly the, the Russians don't care. So this is I, you know, never thought that in my now long lifetime, and I'm sure you, you feel the same, Phil, we would ever be in a position like this, you know, seeing this unfold before our very eyes. And uh, Are we closer to a face-to-face -face ground war with Russia than we were in, in Korea or Vietnam? How do those compare? Yeah. Because we always had proxies fighting in those wars. I mean, we were on the ground you know, in those places. But we, we, if we go in, we will be face-to-face -face with, with the Russian military. I know. Look, that's almost unthinkable. And, um, you, you know, th that raises a another question that people like you and I, who, who are, you know, tormented by what's going on and want to do something, but when you sit down and think about it, and when you talk it over with other people, what are we willing to do? What are we willing to risk? The truth of the matter is, you know, I don't know Putin from Adam. You know, I like to think that he has at least a modicum of rationality and knows that if, for example, he does anything with a nuclear weapon, it's going to start an all-out nuclear war. Um but that is the very fact that we can even consider that. One of the problems, I think, and again, looking back now over the decades, most people in the world, I, I know that it, it happened to me, I got the wrong impression in the 1990s. I thought we, we had closed the book mm. on uh, the possibility of a nuclear war. And I think we took our eyes off the ball. Again, September 11th had something to do with it because we began to focus on that kind of terrorism, which indeed we should have. But w w right around the same time as September 11th is when Putin uh, rose to power uh, in, in Russia. And, um, you know, he is determined to reinstate, reestablish the Soviet Union. And I, I, I hope he's not willing to get involved in a nuclear war to do that. But, you know, so, so far, you know, we're, we're walking through a field of landmines. And I think mm -hmm. that, uh, I, I, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I would like to do more to help the Ukrainians. And, I, you know, I, in the very beginning, the Ukrainians said they need planes. I don't know why we didn't give them everything that we're giving to them now and even more a month and a half ago. But okay, better late than never. You know, Winston Churchill had a great comment about the United States, as he did about many things. He said, you can always depend on the United States to do the right thing after every other option <laughs> is exhausted. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. That's, yeah. that's a great quote. I yeah. Know. You know, I, I, in the back of my mind, I'm saying to myself, um, I think Biden was giving him a chance to back out and the, and the longer it goes on, the deeper he gets into it. I mean, the, 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 the latest thing I heard was, um, uh, you know, Putin considering using tactical nukes in Ukraine, you know, or or who? I think I heard this on Democracy Now. I might have heard it uh, on on PBS NewsHour. Um, he doesn't really need to use tactical nukes. All he needs to do because Ukraine is has has tons of nuclear power plants. All he need to do is blow up one of those power plants, and he has a dirty bomb. You know, he yeah. can poison poison the ground. And, and the whole thing that with Chernobyl, it just well, you know what? I'll stay on. Let's stay on the uh, the um, nuclear subject for one second here. Um, the the thing I found interesting also as as this is playing out, and I'm and I'm certain um, our military intelligence and CIA are loving this work because it's showing us how resilient or not resilient <laughs> the Russian military is. You know where they're taking tanks out with with little drones, that sort of thing. Do you think the Russian nuclear arsenal? is better maintained than the Russian military has been? Because it seems to me like in the era of the oligarchs, the oligarchs have been siphoning off funds that should have been used or could have been used to maintain the Russian military. And instead of been buying yachts and islands and things like that, and it seems like this army was not prepared, and that was one of the reasons why Ukraine has done so well. You know, And I'm saying that's that's... I, I thought Ukraine was going to fall in a week, and that yeah. the, the fact that they're still going, you know, is is just amazing. I thought I thought Zelensky was 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 a dead man walking, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, I, I, I th- by the way, I think Zelensky, it, apropos Churchill, and other people uh, have already been saying this. He is going to go down in history yeah. as one of the great champions of democracy. An actor and, and again, a comedian. You know, the, an actor and a comedian, Paul. That's right. <laughs> I, well, and the way he has with words, I mean, I, I began to believe that, you know what, you know, I think Ukraine has a chance when the, the day that the war started and Zelensky gets on television and says, uh, you know, they've offered me a, a plane out of here. I, I, I don't need a uh, yeah. you know, trip. I, I need ammunition. Yes. So, I mean, I, you can see he got right down to the nitty-gritty. But, you know, as far as, you know, the poor performance of the Russian military, I was thinking about that. And, uh, you know, I've read some history. The truth of the matter is, if you look at the 20th century, I mean, you go further back than that, the Russian military has never been much good. In World War One. that's what led to the communist revolution. The, the Tsar's army in World War One just fell to pieces. You know, the, uh, the, the, the central powers, whatever they were called then, you know, Germany, Austria, and Turkey, they, they, they basically knocked Russia out of the war. That was World War One. In World War Two, okay, they managed to hold on because the, the Nazis went too far too fast. They, they went in, you know, with, with their military force and their lines were stretched so thin. And it is a very big distance that, that eventually they couldn't supply their lines. The Russian winters set in and, and, uh, and in Leningrad, uh, St. Petersburg, whatever it was called then, the, the Russians finally managed to stop uh, the, uh, the Germans. But, you know, they, they didn't do all that well and they wouldn't have won 
the Second World War ultimately had it not been for the United States. And yeah, they developed their nuclear weapons and so on, but they, they were beaten badly on the ground in Afghanistan. All that the, the current Russian army is good at is just going in and, and killing civilians. That, that's really what it amounts wow. to. That's wow. what they did in Chechnya. That's what they did in Syria. And look, at you know, I, I'm, I'm obviously to say the least, I'm glad that ISIS was largely destroyed. But it's not that they won some kind of military battle with ISIS in Syria. They just went in and dropped as many bombs as they could in areas where they thought ISIS was. And it's not that big a country. And so they succeeded in, in, in pretty much uh, putting ISIS out of business back then. But, you know, they, they're no military geniuses. And, uh, you know, Putin has this view that somehow he has this great, military force he doesn't but i don't know what the story is with nuclear weapons yeah. and you know and you know i think we have to assume that they well we know for a fact that they do have nuclear weapons they do have you know intercontinental ballistic missiles they now have by the way they were using some kind of new missile which putin said could evade you know our you know anti-missile systems i don't know whether that's true or not. I don't believe anything they say. But the, the, what bothers me is, given the poor performance of the traditional Russian military, you know, their, their ship, their flagship got sunk. I was delighted to see that. But given that poor performance over and over again, I, I just hope Putin doesn't do, you know, something that can basically kill the world. You know, yeah, and or light, frankly, light, light, light the fire. You know, the spark that lights the fire that sets the world on fire. You know. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny. I'm I'm so glad you said that about the Russian military because I, I think I my my sources of information on the ferocity and the and the um, professionalism or you know the 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 danger of the Russian military has been informed. By books like Firefox and Clive Custer novels, you know, and things right. like that, where, where you know, it's always this, or you know, the hunt for Red October, you know, where it's always this, the Russians have invented this thing, and we are all gonna panic now, and you know, and, and that sort of thing, and you know, when when they initially came in, I was kind of like shocked because I had that fictional narrative going in my head, but I, you know, but yeah, I mean, Afghanistan held them off for what was it, a decade, two decades, yeah, you know, That's right. yeah. Well, Afghanistan basically the same to us too, um, uh, but but yeah, it's it's just um, uh, amazing uh, that they're hanging on this this long. And when Zelensky came out and said, you know, I don't need a plane ticket, I need bullets. I don't think we've seen that from a leader in years, <laughs> you know. And you know, yeah. I, I mean. I, and at first, I didn't believe it. You know what I'm saying, Paul? I, 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 I thought this is part of the play that's going on here, and he's going to get out. And he never did. He, he's out there, and, and so that was that was kind of shocking. But I just hope somehow this can come to some sort of resolution. And every day it goes on. It seems like we're further and further away from it um, being able to be stopped. Um, what do you see as a possible? outcome as we move from spring into summer and uh you know will this be done uh, by the end of the year uh, will russia retreat 
Are they in too deep now? Uh, what do you think? I honestly, I honestly don't know. I mean, because, for example, I've I've heard um, Ambassador uh, Michael McFall uh, talk about this. He actually was ambassador to Russia uh, during the Obama years, and uh, he, he says, "Look, you know, he, he probably knows Putin, you know, a thousand times better than you or I, or most people do, and he can't even predict." Uh, because we, it was an irrational thing for Putin to do what he did in the first place, that is, invade this country the way he did. And, you know, you know one of the things that the Biden administration was talking about, and, you know, Blinken and our Secretary of State and other world leaders were talking about is, let's give Putin an off-ramp. That is, an off-ramp so that he wouldn't invade Ukraine. What can we give him? to avert that invasion and it turned out there was nothing that he was willing to take and now here we are months into the war the russians have been badly beaten putin doesn't seem to be uh in any hurry to uh to stop this as brilliant as the ukrainian military and ukrainians in general have been they're not going to be able to attack moscow and and make you know russia withdraw from the no. war for yeah. that reason it's just too big a country and you know the ukraine doesn't have enough people to do that and so it, it all everything hinges on putin and frankly i'll tell you what i hope for i hope he drops dead yeah. you know <laughs> so, so by the way I, I interviewed a ukrainian writer and uh scholar who's currently in in vienna she and her sister and nephew uh, or niece uh, lived a little north of Kiev and they went to Vienna and, they, and she feels badly uh, uh, about that. Um, and she um, basically said uh, she and Ukrainians don't want Putin to drop there. They want him tried for war crimes and spending the rest of his life in prison. So I, I would be satisfied with that as well. But in order for, for that to happen, and you know that's why dropping dead in some ways is the simplest thing, but that's obviously beyond our control. But in order for Putin to be arrested, uh, he either has to leave Russia. He's not going to do that. He's mm -hmm. not stupid. So there has to be almost a revolution inside Russia. In other words, Russians have to stand up and depose him. That would be a way for the war to end put somebody in who sees how destructive this is, not just to Ukraine, which it obviously is, but to Russia as well. But I have no idea, you know, whether that's going to happen. Putin has a very tight grip on the country. He, 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 it may be Russia, not the Soviet Union, but he runs Russia as if it were the Soviet Union. You know, he comes from the KGB. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, um, McFall, Ambassador McFall has been saying, well, you know, if, if it's clearly a stalemate, it, at some point it'll dawn on Putin that he has to figure a way of getting out of this because nothing uh, positive is really happening. But I think Putin is unwilling at this point to even say it's a stalemate. 
frankly, it's it's not a stalemate. Ukraine is obviously winning at this point. And, it's um, astonishing. It's it it, yeah. it boggles my mind. I'm and and I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop. And which which just shows you how how much I understand about the whole situation. And and there there are nuances to it as well that I think we can learn from. Um, the fact that we are so engaged in this this invasion of a country filled, you know, with people that look like us, compare it to other countries where people of color this is happening. Is, is that up high in the news? Thing. That's another discussion entirely, though. But I think it needs to be, you know, we, we need we need to have that in the back of our minds as well. Are we more engaged in this, um, you know, because the people look like us? You know, um, No, I think that's a very good point. I think you're right. There is a lot of latent racism. By the way, speaking of which, I, I also think, uh, I don't know how many people are aware of this, uh, and apropos of racism, uh, Senator Rand Paul, who is a racist, uh, he he said he would, uh, if he could go back in time, he'd vote against the Civil Rights Act of the 1960s. But he he, he uh, just keeps getting he, better and better, doesn't he, Paul? Uh, yeah, and he, he basically he's not even consistent. His father, Ron Paul, is an arch libertarian, which I don't agree with a lot of the libertarian view. Although, as you know. When it comes to freedom of expression, to get back to that, I'm in favor of no FCC. I don't like to see the the government regulating communications at all. So, you know, I have some libertarian uh, uh, elements yeah. in in what I think should be done. I I do want to see government more limited in some areas, but. Uh, even though I don't agree with most of the libertarian philosophy, I understand what it's saying. And I thought it was amazing that I don't know if you saw or heard this the other day when uh, Secretary of State Blinken was testifying uh, before the uh, Senate committee that Rand Paul is on. Uh, he basically was touting the Russian line. He, wow. he, he wonders why we're involved in this. Wow. That, and, and so... The, the you know this isolationist point of view. Uh, I guess that's a traditional Republican view, and I guess that's consistent with the libertarian philosophy. But on the other hand, saying anything in support of this fascist dictator, this guy who who basically uh, poisons his political enemies, and if he doesn't do that, he throws them in in jail. And, and and arrest reporters. Yeah. Uh, th th basically, how can a libertarian say anything positive about that? How can a libertarian, in any manner, shape, or form, support an outright fascist? Yeah. So, th this war has brought to the fore all kinds of crazy. It things. really, it really, and, and I mean, not to make, not not to, you know, not to minimize it at all. It gives you a lot to think about. Because yes, things things are terrible, and we need to support them. But at the same time, this is the country that um, they had. They had, I think it was athletes or students um, that were trying to get back to Africa, and they couldn't get out because they gave the seats to white people, that sort of thing. So there's there's a lot to unpack here, as yeah. as we as you know time moves on. There's a lot to unpack and understand, and it's not that we. It's not one of these. What abouts? You know that that the, that Facebook and the internet loves to pause it and like, well, we need to support Ukraine, but what about this thing that happens? Like, well, we need to learn from everything and not repeat it. 
I, I think that's what's going down. Uh, so I support Ukraine, of course, and I regret uh, that some people were treated differently because of their skin color. And I also think we need to bring into focus um, the plight of people who don't look like us as well. We need, we need to focus that. I mean, that's something that's out there, but, it, you know, in terms of news coverage and things like that, um, we need to rethink that. Listen, I agree completely with what you're saying. I, I went and I thought it was really unfortunate when I heard those reports of the Ukrainians giving people a hard time if their skin color wasn't white and they wanted to, you know, to leave the, uh, leave the country. I thought that was outrageous, and that's probably the single worst thing that I've heard about the Ukrainians. So they're not perfect, they're not angels, nor are we, but we're still a lot better than these Russian monsters. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, and let me also say, by the way, that I think that um, on that topic, maybe it was a very good thing. Not maybe, I think it definitely was a good thing for the United States to have sent over to Ukraine, not only the Secretary of State Blinken, but our Secretary of Defense, Austin, who obviously is a black man, and and that, in effect, shows the Ukrainians what we are here in America. We are a country, we're a very flawed country in many ways, but, but, but we have gone much further into truly making a, a reality of it doesn't matter what your ethnicity is, the, the color of your skin doesn't matter, you know, you, you can rise to the top, you can be president, as it was the case with Barack Obama, you can be Secretary of Defense, etc. So that is, a, you know, something that, that the United States can help be a leader in the world in. But I do think, though, that first and foremost is to do whatever is necessary to keep Ukraine alive and succeed. Yes. And then we can focus on helping them uh, if they want our help to improve their... To evolve, to socially evolve, you know. And, right. and yeah, yeah, you know, that is definitely a goal. And, and I think we need to rethink, um, you know, I think we need to use this as, as a time to like just, just think about all these things and, and how the, the, the world, you know, comes together or in some cases comes apart um you know uh we have about 22 minutes left i can't help as we're discussing this um want to throw out that i was kind of like thrilled that we have a a such an experienced statement in the state statesman in the, in the white house is joe biden for all his experiences you know um throughout his years rather than the alternative um could you imagine uh i and i and i and i look back at what happened um when they were trying when they were when when that infamous phone call uh to zelensky happened and so many people so so many civil servants um got took the fall for that that got relieved of their positions uh when they uncovered this thing um how do you I mean can can you imagine what this invasion would this invasion of Ukraine you know I read somewhere that the invasion of Ukraine wouldn't have happened if Trump was president because Trump would have just 
given them, you know, get, you know, just facilitated everything that, uh, Putin wanted from Russia. Um, do you have a, an, an opinion or idea about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that Ukraine wouldn't be in existence right now if Trump had been reelected president. And I think the reason that uh, Putin attacked Ukraine, I think that Putin was hoping, expecting that Trump would be reelected. Whether or not, and we've talked about this many times also, I don't think we'll ever know to what extent Russia influenced the election of 2016. They definitely did in terms of their bots and, and you know, spouting misinformation that back then uh, in that election, Twitter and Facebook and social media just allowed like an open sewer uh, on their uh, system. And, and both uh, Twitter and Facebook and social media in general have gotten a little smarter. That's a, that's another problem, by the way, with uh, Musk taking over Twitter. I hope he doesn't open up that 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 sewage pipe again and just let all that spew out onto Twitter. And what I'm talking about is this disinformation, not only about COVID, but about Russia and what its intentions are. Uh, and and I don't know, and I, we may never know, eventually, maybe we will, maybe some research will show us wh wh how much Russia actually did. I, I tend not to believe that Russia actually manipulated the votes. Uh, if there was any evidence of that, it probably would have come out, meaning, you know, the vote counting, not the vote casting. So I'm assuming that did not happen. Uh, and uh, at this point, at least, from my limited knowledge, I would say that the result in 2016 of a, a miscreant like Trump being in the White House was the result of the anachronism of the Electoral College. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. More people in America wanted her to be president than wanted Trump to be president. But because of this idiosyncratic, archaic system, Trump managed to get a majority in the Electoral College. Maybe there were other things as well. But I, I think that Putin was hoping and expecting that somehow that would happen again. And I think that w the, the moment that Putin realized that Trump was not going to be in the White House, he, he said to himself, okay, you know what? We're going to have to take matters into our yeah. own hands yeah. and, and invade Ukraine. Um, because I think you're right. Had, had Trump been in power, I mean, look, I think that Zelensky still would have tried to put up a fight. But I think we Trump wouldn't have given uh, Zelensky one single armament uh, if he could have uh, prevented any of that from happening, that has prevented the U.S. from, from helping the Ukraine. We know that Trump was on the verge of withdrawing from NATO. You know, the, 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 the lunatic, Trump, he was worried about, oh, uh, we, we bear a, a much larger expense than the other countries did. The, you know, they're, they're working on yeah. this is what this how this man, this man with the political understanding of a toad. <laughs> this is how he understands the world. And I, I don't mean to insult toads. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and I and so I think 
God help, uh, you know, Ukraine and, and for that matter, the world had Trump still been in office. But I think the fact that Trump lost, and I think you're right, yeah. that Biden is president. I think that Biden, you know, he talked to Putin a few times before the invasion. And I think Putin concluded correctly that he wasn't going to be able to somehow talk uh, Biden into letting Russia take a big piece of Ukraine or take Ukraine over completely. Totalitarians love each other. You know, Mussolini loved Hitler. Uh, you know, Hitler was happy uh, to, to have Mussolini as a, a sort of vassal totalitarian, you know, helping Germany in World War II. Uh, I, I, Trump, because he's a totalitarian in his heart, he doesn't want democracy. He doesn't like democracy. You know, we saw that on January 6th, you know, 2021. He doesn't care about voting totals. He thinks he's entitled, you know, to, to be present as long as he watched him. That's what totalitarians do. Trump doesn't care about the truth. You know, he's a classic example of might makes right. That's what the Nazis said. Not truth makes right. Might makes right. And Trump, therefore, loved and loves Putin. He wants to be just like Putin. He admires Putin. Yeah. And Putin understood that. And the, the world would be completely different. I think we, the world, with Trump in office, and given what Putin is now doing, we came perilously close to, to Europe taking a major step back to where it was in the 1930s. And, and only because Joe Biden was elected, Joe Biden was able to reinvigorate NATO. I, you know, Biden and his advisors, I think, have done a brilliant job putting together alliances, NATO itself, strengthening NATO. Uh, Austin, Secretary of Defense Austin, had that meeting in which he had non-NATO members like Japan and Israel uh, uh, from all over the world meet and talk about a you know, cohesive military strategy to support Ukraine. So I think that Biden and his staff uh, and his cabinet members have done a brilliant job in doing that. And I think that they too, history will say, save democracy. Uh, because it, we're under, you know, a dire threat now. Uh, and, you know, we can't forget about the fact that I know that, that you think about this a lot. There's fascism at large here in the United States. Yes. Trump's still got millions of votes. There are millions and millions of people here in the United States who don't care about the truth, who feel, you know, that they've been mistreated, who, who are disgruntled, aggrieved, for whatever reason, and the way that they express that is to support a totalitarian person like Trump. And, and, and uh, the wannabes, and the wannabes that are cutting up through the ranks, DeSantis and Abbott, you know, um, yeah. I mean, if, if Trump if Trump left the planet tomorrow, there are two candidates right there who very, very much love uh, to take up the mantle and, and are, I believe are actively trying to get on the ballot for 2024. Well, you're completely right, and they're worse than Trump because they're more articulate than Trump. Yes. Tr Trump, it, it, you know, for people who value freedom, Trump's clumsiness, his inability to articulate, you know, even just like a simple sentence, 
uh, that actually was a very good thing. That was like a benefit that we got. But but these other people, they're much smoother than Trump. And you're completely right. I mean, you know, uh, that guy in Florida, he's now in a fight with with Disney. (laughs) And what's he... What's he so upset about? It's that D- Disney w- wants to have an environment in which gay rights are respected, and and this totalitarian in Florida that that, that aggravates him so much. He, he pushes through the Fa- the Florida legislature, this stupid, you know, new whatever it is, a law or a bill, I don't know, to to make sure that Disney is not given special treatment. I mean, I, you know. I mean, do you think I, I look at that very closely? Well, not you know, I look at that as much as I can understand it, and and I say to myself, he's literally raising the tra- the taxes of the people who live uh, in in that area of Florida, and some of the numbers I've heard thrown about is um, if Disney stops, loses its position, loses its way, you know, to maintain the area that it operates in, that homeowners in that area their their taxes will go up by. Twenty-two hundred dollars a year. That that doesn't. That's not something to run run for president on. You know? No, that's not. But this is that's. It's hard to understand if you value facts and truth. The appeal of these fascists, but but the fact of the matter is, they nonetheless get votes, even though they do things that hurt the people who are voting for them, and even though they do things. That are, are again, just like I said about Rand Paul, saying anything positive about a fascist like Putin, totally inconsistent with libertarian philosophy. Uh, for uh, someone like, like the governor of Florida, who claims he is against governmental overreach, government interference in people's lives, to go in and basically violate the Disney's company's freedom of speech. You know, that's what it amounts to. They're entitled to say what they want to say, and they're entitled to, to tell their people that this is, you know, what we want to have in, in our, on our property. And, and, you know, to basically use the government to stop that, that should be something that's anathema to any conservative. But these conservatives... These these Trump progeny, who you know basically ha- have a lot of the same views as Trump, they are a little smoother than Trump. Uh, what they all have in common is that fascist underlying philosophy of it doesn't matter what the truth is, it doesn't matter what logic is. All that matters is power, and you wield power in a way that you know you do not have to be consistent with any philosophy except the, the worship of power and and that's how they justify what they're doing it is 12:52 here on WUSB Stony Brook we're listening to my friend Paul Levinson on lunch on Thursdays with Bill McNulty Bill is out there's been a tragedy uh, in, in Bill's family, and he will be back next week, and he will tell you all about it. I spoke at length about it at 11 o'clock, so, um, but I'm, Bill will be here 
um, in a week. Hopefully in a week. Uh, I've, I've been in touch with him, and so he will be back. Um, this could go on forever, but we are going to be transitioning into hip-hop, <laughs> Paul, in about eight minutes. Uh, so uh, we need to start wrapping it up. My friend uh, Cut Supreme is waiting in the wings to um, bust a move, <laughs> which would be a great palate cleanser from this entirely serious discussion about nuclear war and fascism and Mickey Mouse. <laughs> it's very serious. Yeah. Um, so uh, we need to start wrapping it up. Uh, Paul, uh, let's take about two or three minutes and, and see if we can try to give our listeners a little bit of hope here. And then I want you, of course, to uh, put out all the places where, where uh, the listeners can find you uh, online and in the bookstores. Well, first of all, look, as far as hope is concerned, the fact that Ukraine is doing so well, you know, while there's life, there's hope. And, and I, I'm always an optimist. I am worried, but, but I'm glad to see where we are uh, n- now. Uh, as far as what I'm doing, actually, uh, uh, there's some hope in that. I, I wrote an essay uh, called Hitler, Trump, Putin. You can just search on that, quote Hitler, comma, Trump, comma, Putin, in which I go into a lot of these uh, analyses of those three fascists uh, and w- why they have so much in common and why we have to do everything we can against them. But um, maybe this will be good news for some people. Maybe it will be bad news for other people. I'm still writing science fiction. Yes! And uh, <laughs> I, I want to mention something that actually I'm going to convert into a novel. Um, back in January, I uh, wrote and it's published on a system called Vocal, a story called It's Real Life. Uh, and uh, if that sounds at all familiar, the the song that the Beatles yes. uh, sang in the 90s, It's Real, uh, yes, which yes. was a song that John Lennon wrote, and Yoko gave the surviving Beatles a tape of that, and Jeff Lynne came in, and they you know put, all, put that together. It's one of my favorite Beatles songs. The original title of that song was It's, it's Real Life. So I wrote an, old, an alternate history story, in which Pete Fornatel, and you'll recognize the name, the, the late, great Pete Fornatel, a disc jockey uh, who started out in WFUV FM radio, in many ways a sister station to WUSB. Uh, Pete Fornatel went on uh, WNEW FM for many years, then he came back to WFUV, and tragically he, he died, I think, in 2012. So I wrote an alternate history story about uh, Pete in the 1990s, uh, and you, you know that it's alternate history because he's playing a song called It's Real Life by the Beatles in the 1990s, and all four of the Beatles are alive, and uh, he's go- and then he takes a train uh, downtown uh, to Grand Central Station, but by the time he gets there, he's in another reality. And uh, so it's one of my favorite uh, stories that I ever wrote. It's free of charge on this site. I've, I've so read it. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm also, though, converting that into a novel. I have a series of alternate reality stories, all of which 
involve Fordham University. I'm sure the university is very happy that they're <laughs> But uh, if Mike you know, Resnick, if Mike Resnick, Resnick was with this, he could do an anthology called Alternate Fordhams. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely right. Well, I, I think I'm, I'm going. To, so basically, the, this it's not really a novel. It, it is going to be a uh, a series of short stories that are all linked together because they're drawing on the same there's something about Fordham University that enables people when you walk through the tunnels of Fordham University or whatever to be uh, flipped into alternate realities with all kinds of interesting consequences uh, so I mean I'll just give you one other there's another free story I've already I, I'm, I'm sensing I'm sensing a, a Netflix series here <laughs> Yeah, well, it's not, hey, I'll go for it. Hey, Netflix could use yes. some of my stuff. This, the you're gonna, they have. Levinson <laughs> saves Netflix. I could see that. I could see the the, 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 the headline in Variety right now. Yeah, that's all through the history, also. <laughs> that's a great alternate. Anyway, I wrote, so yeah, you'll find a story called the PNA. In this alternate history, the PNA is what we call the A and P. But yeah. everything is like sort of backwards. Oh, I love it. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. Oh man, that sounds that sounds great. Keep us keep us posted on that. Uh, and and how do people find you online, Paul? Um, you, you you got you got this story for free online. You have this this essay, um, you know, uh, that that uh, people are going to want to read after our serious discussion here. Um, what's the URL? And uh, and also you have. Um, you have a podcast as well, right? Um, yes, the podcast is. Uh, I'll just give you the names rather than the uh, the URLs because they're too big to say. The podcast is Light On Light yes. Through. That's L I G H T O N L I G H T T H R O U G H. That's the name of the podcast. As far as finding those stories, just search for. Quote, it's real life, unquote, Paul Levinson. It'll bring you to the site. You can just search for, quote, uh, Hitler, uh, Trump, Putin, unquote, Paul Levinson. It'll bring you to that site also. It's on that same site, Vocal. You'll certainly have more fun reading It's Real Life than Hitler, Trump, and Putin. And if you want to uh, uh, talk to me anytime, I'm at Paul Lev, P-A-U-L-L-E-V, at Twitter. I'm a very friendly guy, and uh, you know, Elon Musk hasn't kicked him off yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, to Scotty O and the Beatles show is coming up at three. Uh, well, we're, it's being partially preemptive for sports, but Scotty O, if you're listening, man, um, you got to check out this short story by Paul Evanson, all right? Because Scotty does this Beatles show where he plays the whole the whole two hours is revolves around it's a Beatles centric thing, either Beatles covers or you know other other things. It's great, it's great, but yeah. He needs to touch base on that. Um, Paul, as always, an honor and a pleasure. We have a lot to talk about. We still, we we didn't finish. Um, I need to have you back. So next time uh, I'm doing a fill-in for Bill, um, let's let's hook up and let's do this again. All right, my man? I want you back. Ooh, ooh, baby. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Absolutely, I'd love to anytime. And 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 also uh, remember uh, when you when you Google Paul Levinson, you can also pick up his album um, as well. So uh, it was um, not coming up. What was what was the name of the album again, Paul? It was well. Uh, the, the, the new album is Welcome Up 
songs of space and welcome time. up welcome up the light on light through podcast and i hope you enjoyed that interview I will say, by the way, that if you are interested, go to the Light On, Light Through webpage. That's L-I-G-H-T-O-N, L-I-G-H-T-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com. And search for Captain Phil and you'll find, oh, at least half a dozen other interviews that Captain Phil has done with me over the years. And if you're interested in hearing me talk about political issues and social issues, which I do from time to time on Light On, Light Through, but you can hear much more of that on two other podcasts. One is a podcast called Hot Media. Bob Mann, his host, has been interviewing me for years, usually about political events, about media and communications. And then the other podcast, where I just did an interview earlier this evening, is called Being Frank. That is hosted by Frank Lebono, And here he also interviews me about, well, some of the same things I talked about and you heard me just talking about on this episode of Light On, Light Through. And in the show notes for this episode, you'll find links to the latest episodes in which I've been interviewed on both hot media and being frank. Also, I'll be back here soon. There are lots of new shows on television. I owe you a review of the latest episode of Star Trek Picard. I owe you a review of Slow Horses. I think it's the final episode of that little series. And I owe you a review, let's see, of The Man Who Fell to Earth and a review of the next two episodes of Outer Range, that strange science fiction series. So I'll be back here very soon. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sound, and do what you can to help those brave people defeat the Russians who have invaded their country, Ukraine. AD. She ripped the paper in half, then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left again into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about The Plot to Save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. Paul Levinson spilled code about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries. Thank you.